Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, News Bureau Chief of WFIU, WTIU. And this week, we're going to talk about the flu. Indiana is experiencing one of the toughest flu seasons in recent years. And we'll be talking with health professionals about what's been causing the rise and what they're doing to stop it from spreading. We have two guests in the studio with us. Monroe County Public Health Clinic nurse Amy Meek is here. And also uh, Vigo County, Vigo County. I never know how to say Vigo or Vigo. Vigo. Vigo County. Uh, Health Department Administrator Joni Joni Wise. Uh, By phone, we're going to be joined by Indiana State Department of Health Respiratory Epidemiologist Sean Richards. You can join us by calling 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348. Outside of the Bloomington calling area, you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can even follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So welcome to everybody. We're glad to have you here. And Sean, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for being here. We understand you're going to be with us for the first 10 or 15 minutes. So could you sort of give us a statewide update as to uh, what's going on with the flu? Sure. Um, Influenza-like illness is widespread and at a high level of activity. Last week, both our outpatient and emergency room data Influenza-like activity was around 4%. This wasn't an increase from last week's data. Um, We did report 27 deaths in the Influenza Weekly Report on the State Department of Health's website, which was an increase of 17 adult deaths since last week. We remain at two deaths under the age of 18. Uh, 22 of the deaths had underlying medical conditions, with the most common medical underlying uh, medical conditions being cardiac disease, COPD, diabetes, asthma, uh, metabolic disorder, and renal disease. Nine of the deaths were from vaccinated persons with the 2012-2013 vaccine. The vaccination status was unknown for 16 of the, or 15 of those cases, and three were documented as being unde- um, unvaccinated. Okay. Uh, can I just break in and ask how that compares to last year? Sure. Um, the influenza-associated deaths um, are reportable, uh, is a reportable condition uh, by all physicians, hospitals, and laboratories. As of um, this time last year, there, were not, there weren't any um, influenza-associated deaths, and um, the year prior, there were three. Okay, and this year we're at 27, so obviously the uh, numbers show uh, it, it's a huge increase. It is a substantial increase. However, we are a lot more electronically um, connected now with electronic medical labs and uh, medical records uh, in some instances. And a lot of our infection preventionists now have access to report that immediately to us. And we're getting the message out um, that all influenza deaths are reportable because Indiana is a little different um, in contrast to most of the other states. There's only a handful of states that make influenza deaths reportable for all ages. It is nationally um, nationally notifiable in persons under the age of 18, but the adult deaths are not tracked that way. Okay. So if uh, you were looking at a, a map of the state, uh, uh, does the data tell you anything about are there flu hotspots any place around the state or is it just very random? It is all over. Uh, I did run the data for um, all of Indiana, and we're consistently seeing um, about the same amount of transmission throughout the entire state. Okay. Now, do you have, are you uh, issuing any kind of uh, tips to people that uh, you'd like to share with us? Sure. Um, Although we are widespread and at high activity, it does appear that this influenza um, is acting the same way as most of the other influenzas are um, or have been in the past. It just so happens that the elderly, it does seem to uh, be increasing the mortality um, a, a little more than what we're used to, um, and that you know, cover your cough, wash your hands, stay home if you're sick, um, be in contact with your primary care physician if you have underlying medical conditions or if your condition gets um, more severe. And uh, most people do make it through 
this influenza just fine. Uh, there are some really good news is that the vaccine is very well matched with the strains that are circulating in our communities, as well as the antivirals such as Tamiflu or Relenza have been shown to be very effective, and we haven't seen any issues regarding antiviral treatment as well. Are we going to have enough vaccine available for everyone? There is a lot of vaccines still out there. The problem is, is we may have some spot shortages here and there. So um, I do know that a lot of the private physicians' offices um, have exhausted most of their uh, their supply. The distributors do have some um, still available, and they may reorder some more. But from what I have gathered, it's more of a purchasing issue. Um, I do know that some of the uh, pharmacies and um, drugstores that are offering uh, vaccines still, uh, some do have them, some don't have them. So you may have to make another call or two around and maybe be a little more vigilant of not being able just to walk in wherever. But um, it doesn't appear that there is a vaccine shortage. It just may be some spot, spot issues here and there. But just be, just be patient and a little diligent than, than most, um, most years. Okay, our phone numbers again are 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area, and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is the website if you want to join a live chat. I'd like to bring uh, Amy Meek from Monroe County and uh, Joni Wise from Vigo County in to talk about what you're seeing locally. Um, we Sean just gave us sort of an overview from the state, but what's, what's it like in Monroe County? Are you seeing a lot more uh, incidences of influenza than usual? Well, our hospitals, emergency departments, and outpatient clinics have been extra busy with the people coming in with influenza-like illnesses. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we haven't seen much happening in our schools yet, and that's one of our concerns right now. The kids have been on break, and they're just recently returned, so we're hoping that doesn't happen, but that's what we're kind of watching for now is the next week or two if the school kids start having problems. Mm-hmm. How about Vigo County? Ours mirrors Monroe County. We're mm-hmm. seeing, again, the um, high hospital emergency room visits and outpatient visits with the flu. And so far, you know, using surveillance and working with the school corporation, we haven't seen an influx of students with it also. Okay. Now, this is a question for all of you, but I guess we'll start in the studio. I, I, how do I know if I have the flu or if I just have a cold? I mean, what, what should I be worried about? I'm sniffling here today. People might hear that. Uh, and Sarah's moving really far away from me. <laughs> I think the flu is a term a lot of people throw around when they have a cold or little allergy problems, things like that. But um, symptoms of the flu are usually fever, chills, body aches. Um, Body aches is a big one. Headache, sore throat. Um, You can have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea with it, not necessarily. Um, A lot of times people will get kind of a stomach bug and they'll call that the flu as well. And that's not truly influenza necessarily. Mm -hmm. so those are all some common symptoms of the flu. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the, the flu shot, the vaccination, I've, I've heard varying uh, percentages for how effective it is. Um, Sean, do you, do you have a, a ballpark for how effective the, influence, the uh, vaccination is? Sure. Um, findings from um, the data is showing that um, it's about 60% effective for those who got vaccinated. Um, this is similar to other vaccine effectiveness studies from meta-analysis from other trials. A 60% vaccine effectiveness is actually considered a moderate rate of vaccine effectiveness compared with the effectiveness of other childhood vaccines. So basically, um, 60% vaccine effectiveness against influenza-related doctor's visits would be very significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that, those are good odds. So if uh, ten people go in, six people are going to be really protected, right? Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. That is a a pretty good analogy. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm wondering just about with college kids. You talked about other. I don't. I assume you're meaning elementary, high school kids. But mm-hmm. what about within the college population? Are we seeing an increase yet? Um. I, there hasn't been an increase reported. IU Health Center is an excellent source here in Bloomington. They really um, provide excellent care and are up on with kids coming in with illnesses. I haven't had any reports of them seeing a high number, though. 
And in Terre Haute, we have Indiana State University, Rose Hallman, and St. Mary of the Woods, and, an, and Ivy Tech. And we haven't had a report also from them that they're seeing an increase in influenza among their students, which also returned for break this past Monday. Mm-hmm. Have there been any, any deaths in any of our local counties, in Vigo, Monroe? None in Vigo. None in Monroe as well. All right. And, Sean, how about in, uh, of course, WFIU goes to about, what, 30 counties, right, Sarah? <laughs> so more than likely there's been a death in some county that you cover. Yeah, and I honestly don't. Yeah. Know the so Sean would probably be able to tell us. Well, actually, we follow uh, something what we call the rule of five. And if there are not five deaths per county, we do not release individual county data. But after five, um, we would be able to identify the counties. Before the, before the five, we leave that up to the county to decide if they were going to release that data or not, um, because we are a home rule state, mm-hmm. and the counties are autonomous from the state, and it's pretty much their data. Okay, so the rule of five has not clicked in for you yet. Correct. We have okay. not had any county that has had five deaths or more. Okay, good. So if, if people are starting to see these symptoms, um, I mean, what how you know how contagious is the flu? What should people do? And so, Sean, go ahead. Very good. Uh, that's a great question because I think that's where it may be a little misleading with when we say widespread and moderate or high level of activity, um, where a lot of people make that jump and say, "Oh my goodness, it's just so severe and everything is just going crazy." That's really not what we're saying. What we're saying with widespread is that there are more than 50% of our regions or districts um, or counties that have flu. Okay, that's very easy to meet. You can, you can go from local to regional spread to widespread, like overnight. So widespread just basically means that it's all over the county. And then uh, the moderate level or um, high level activity is just an incidence of persons being seen for influenza-like illness. So what we're seeing right now is a moderate to a high level um, ability of being able to transmit person to person. So that's basically what we're saying. We're not saying it's more severe. We're not saying that it's uh, more of a nasty bug. We're just saying it's being transmitted very efficiently person to person, and then that's why we believe that we're having increased amounts of um, persons seeking out treatment for influenza-like illness. How does something progress and be considered an epidemic? An epidemic is a number of cases than what you um, would expect to see during a given time. So we know between October, October and May, we expect to see influenza um, during those times. We actually do see them um, year-round as well. We see influenza in June, July, and August since we've done um, year-round surveillance for about the last five years. But typically, influenza season starts on week 40, which is October 1st through the end of May. And um, so any time between there is when we typify influenza um, flu season. So um, the uh, so so any time in between there is is when we would expect to see it. Mm-hmm. All right. If you have questions or comments about uh, the flu, if you have any any worries, we have three people who can help. Uh, either scare you or more than likely they would be able to uh, <laughs> to alleviate any fears yes. that you have you just give us a call today 855-0811-877-285-9348 and wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to join a live chat sean i know you uh, are on a short uh, time period uh, if you uh, have to go you just let me know i want to ask uh, one more question that you might be able to answer or i'm sure the our local experts here can answer them as well but, you know, I think uh, there is a lot of fear about this because, you know, you, you just told us the number of, of uh, influenza-related deaths in uh, last year was zero. Last flu season was zero. And this year it's 27. And that, you know, that can just create a lot of, you know, you'll hear people around saying, don't get the flu. It, you know, it could kill you. This is going to be a very serious illness. So uh, in those 27 cases, and you can, you know, if you can sort of talk about a typical case, I mean, how does it progress far enough that it actually is fatal? Okay. In most of the cases, um, they have been persons that were over 50 years of age. Um, 
most of which, like I said before, 20 of them had a lot of underlying medical conditions, and most of them had more than one um, underlying medical condition, which makes their immune status not able to effectively fight against influenza. So what we're seeing mostly in the deaths are persons that are elderly, um, not that 50 is elderly, but... Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> most, actually, most of them are over 65, and that's actually not too elderly either any, anymore. So anyway, um, most of them have underlying medical conditions. Their immune systems are being taxed by other things. So when you introduce influenza into the mix, um, sometimes it, it just throws them over the edge. And so, um, fortunately, we haven't seen any of them that have not had underlying medical conditions or uh, some type of issue where um, where we would expect them to be able to live. However, that being said, I do see reports every year come across my desk, a normal, healthy person, probably even in school, doing all the things normal teenagers or normal preteens would do, and they do end up dead relative, you know, dead to the flu. That's just the nature of influenza, and that's why we encourage vaccination. But a lot of people, um, they say, well, you know, you, you reported that you had nine that were vaccinated and they still died. Well, those nine still would have died even if they weren't vaccinated, mm-hmm. okay? The vaccination may have prolonged or may have saved their life, but unfortunately it's the nature of life and it you know, it, it, it just happened. So I would con- I would continue to recommend that person six months and older be vaccinated. Um, it can do nothing but help you. The only thing is it may cause you two seconds of a little bit of discomfort, and it does help provide um, more protection for your herd or for the people that you work with. We call that herd immunity, and I know sometimes that sounds a little... Um, crazy, but <laughs> we, we, we don't work it. with herds. We work with people, but right. herd immunity is something that we try to aim for. And if you can get 70% of your herd immunized, then you give a lot more protection for everyone. I know with a lot of people, just paying for the vaccine is an issue. And we got a question here from a listener saying she's unemployed and she doesn't have health insurance, so she couldn't afford a flu vaccination this year. And she's wondering if her shot from last year will provide any immunity for her this year. Amy or Jenny, do you want to address that, or I can address it, whatever you want? Well, um, Amy's going to take it. Yeah, well, for starters, um, with the ability to pay, um, you know, for children, that we have a lot of things put in place for that. For adults, we do have, a at the Monroe County Public Health Clinic, we have a limited supply that when we have someone who doesn't have the ability to pay, we can help them out with that. Just um, at the Monroe County Health Department. Yeah, and that would be different county to county Okay, um, as far do, as those resources. Does, uh, in Monroe County, does Volunteers in Medicine have any flu vaccine? They, um, you know, I don't want to speak for their supply right have, now, supply, but they, but but they, they do give out the flu vaccine, um, and there are channels to go through to apply for that. And those are probably very low costs, if not free. Free, I'm sure, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so you could check with the, the Volunteers of Medicine Clinic. How about in Vigo County? In Vigo County, again, on case-to-case basis, we would look at it at the Vigo County Health Department. We also have our Sanian Clinic that we work with procuring vaccine for them, and it's an indigent clinic um, that helps out people like the person that emailed in. Um, one of the things that we did in Vigo County was also go out and do the homeless shelters. Lesson learned from that, we did them in November when we probably should have waited for the weather to get a little more cold for more people to be vaccinated at the clinics and hopefully go back go out and revisit. Um, in regards to um, you know whether her flu vaccine from last year still has potency, each year this, the strains are different that are put into the flu vaccine and you know, it takes two weeks for the vaccine to go in and make sure you have full coverage. Um, and that's why it's usually recommended, you know, to get a flu vaccine from December until the springtime. So you'll be optimally immunized during uh, flu peak time of flu uh, flu outbreak. But um, what uh, the one that she had last year has waned. It's lost its efficacy or its kick. And so it would be recommended that she seek out from either the local health department or the St. Anne Clinic and get her shot from those places. Okay, thank you. I, I might follow up and say yeah. we did the same thing in Monroe County. We went to our homeless shelter, went to the mm-hmm. Shalom Center here in town and gave out free flu shots 
And we did that in October, and I think our response would have been better Yes. Um, when the co- weather got colder. People don't like to think of the flu until the weather gets cold. <laughs> okay, we have two phone calls we're going to get to before break. We hope, uh, Sean, we hope you can stick around for another five minutes <clears throat> or so. Uh, Sandy is first. Sandy? Hello. Uh, we're fly- flying on a plane next week. We have had our flu shots, but do you recommend wearing a mask on an airplane or anything like that? If you have a compromised immune system or if it's maybe something that you might take up with your physician who knows your health care better than we do, but discuss that with him. Um, My thing that I would recommend being in an airport and on an airplane, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, and stay hydrated. But again, the mask, that's something, you know, refer back to your physician who knows your health the best. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. And washing your hands. How how about those antibacterial, whatever you call them, those things that you put on your hands and rub your hands with? The soap and water is always best, but the mm-hmm. alcohol based um, hand sanitizers are very That's effective. It. Sanitizers. As well. yeah. That's what I was going for. Okay. Good. And then we have Bob on the phone. Bob. Oh, thanks, Sandy. We appreciate it. Bob. Hello there. Say thanks, folks. Um, Let's say someone is exposed to the flu today and tomorrow they're going to start feeling lousy. Are they capable of uh, infecting other people today before they start to feel symptoms? You actually are capable of infecting other people one day before you start feeling symptoms. So that's important to remember. You can you know, spread the flu before you realize that you actually have it. Mm-hmm. That complicates things, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And somebody starts. Uh, somebody visited me yesterday. He said that he had... It was very achy and so on, but he, he assured me he didn't have the flu because he felt no, uh, you know, had no fever or respiratory symptoms. Uh, could he have been wrong? Yes, he could have been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he could have, but hopefully for your sake, I mean, yeah. for, hopefully he was wrong. Uh, I mean, when, when, is, is a, uh, when somebody starts feeling symptoms, it is, uh, you're, you're saying that it is uh, possible or, or often or sometimes happens that they just feel achy, but... Uh, long before they start uh, developing the respiratory symptoms. There's always that possibility. Isn't there? Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. All right, Bob. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, our numbers again are 855 811 877-285-9348. You can join the live chat at wfiu.org. You can be following the show on Twitter at Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading our podcast directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. We're talking about influenza today and uh, the flu season in Indiana, which is a a difficult season this year. We have uh, two guests in the studio. We had a a third guest, Sean Richards, the uh, Indiana State Department of Health respiratory epidemiologist, but uh, she was with us for just the first half of the show. I want to thank her very much for being here. She was very knowledgeable and uh, gave us a lot of help. Uh, For the second half of the show, we have two people with us in the studio who also were very helpful the first half of the show. Amy Meek, who is a Monroe County Health or Public Health Clinic nurse, and also Vigo County Health Department Administrator Joni Wise. If you want to join us on the program, as so many of you uh, are right now, we uh, hope you'll call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat 
at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Do you want to go to the live chat first? Yeah, we have an email question actually uh, from Susan, and she's wondering how do you track flu cases that aren't treated at a clinic or emergency room? Um, I wish Sean was on the phone because she has um, probably a better answer, but the state has a system for doing that. Um, They track that through... um, their emergency departments have a tracking system that goes to the state that lets the state know how many cases they're seeing come in. And they're not necessarily flu cases, but um, they call it the ILI, influenza-like illness. Um, so they may not be confirmed cases at that time. Um, here in the county, you know, just constant con- conversations with the schools and with um, our hospital infectious disease um, person, things like that, helps us keep a hold on what we've got going on. And Amy, am I uh, correct in my recollection that there also is a tracking system for over-the-counter medications here in Indiana, that they can see how many um, medications that are used to treat flu are going out and also use that as a supplementary way to keep an eye on the flu activity? Yes. Because not I everyone goes true. to the doctor. That's right. People self-medicate. They go yes. Out. And what are the, the primary flu medications? Well, um, if symptoms within the first 48 hours, there are antivirals that can be prescribed by your physician. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they kind of reserve those for those people with chronic conditions um, that the flu may be more um, infectious or deadly for. Um, but other than that, it's treating the symptoms. So it's over-the-counter medications for fever um, and just just the aches and pains and things like that. Mm-hmm. We have someone in our chat saying, I just truly don't understand why someone would choose not to get the flu shot, but you actually have <laughs> a whole list of reasons. I do. I happen to, uh, to getting myself up to date for today's chat. Uh, CDC has a, a, a fact sheet that says no more excuses. You, you know, you need a flu vaccine. And when I started looking at some of those excuses, um, I actually saw myself in a couple of them. <laughs> some people think that they're healthy and they don't need a vaccine. But as Sean Richards um, cited, we do have cases where individuals are healthy and they don't have a chronic underlying condition that they can, uh, you know, get the flu and spread the flu. Or maybe they say that they're going to people. There are people out there that believe that they're going to get sick from the flu vaccine, and that's that isn't so. That, that is, um, well, yes. yeah, yeah, really stress that because that's something a lot of people think of. So. And then there's the one that and I can relate to. I hate shots, but you know, if you look at the minor pain from a flu shot, it is nothing compared to having the flu and suffering from it, as I have done once in my life and hope to never have happen again. So, you know, looking at those things, you know. Uh, Sean brought up herd immunity. A lot of people think that if everyone else around them has a flu vaccine, they're all right, they're all right and they're not going to get sick. Or they think that it's too late to get a flu shot, and it, it still isn't too late, and there is vaccine available. Or maybe they don't trust the vaccine. But those are all excuses that can be debunked. The flu vaccine is an excellent tool in combating the flu or lessening the symptoms when you do get it. Mm-hmm. Sarah, have you had your flu shot? Bob, you just we're, put me on the spot. We're going to bring in somebody <laughs> to give Sarah a flu shot next week. Oh, have so, you had uh, yours? I have, yes. I always, no. I, I always get one. Oh I'm very good about that. All right, let's go to the phones. Tony, uh, you're first. Tony? Yeah, I appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I understand that the vaccine is very important. Uh, but what are some of the other things that people can do, like uh, proper humidification in their homes, uh, vitamin D3 is in top of and how long? After getting a vaccine, does it actually take to build up the immunity? Well, one thing that we always say is the three C's. That's the clean, cover, and contain. So um, all those things you do in your home don't necessarily prevent you from getting the influenza unless you're doing those things. And that's clean is cleaning your hands. And that's washing your hands every time you can. Um, soap and water, preferably hand sanitizers if you don't have that. Covering. Um, you know, resp- it's respiratory transferred, so covering your cough, covering with your with your arm and not with your hands, um, and then containing. So staying away from those that you know have been ill. If you're ill yourself, staying home, not spreading it. Um, I'm not really talking about people that uh, are already sick around others. What I'm talking about is, uh, you know, as the humidity, humidity in the air dries out, especially in people's homes, you know, the, the nasal uh, passageways dry up and, and uh, has people 
gives people more opportunity to uh, take that bug in and not let their body, uh, you know, uh, fight against the bug, you know, which is why humidification in your home, keeping it at a certain level, is so important. Uh, and also vitamin D3, the same thing that we get from the sun. When the sun goes away, it also uh, decreases people's immunity. Uh, and it, it comes to speak to, uh, I was at the grocery store today, and uh, at one of the grocery stores, they were talking about the flu, and it was more of a, of a scare ad to uh, tell them to get your flu shot right now. Yeah. Well, um, Tony, let's, let's let our, uh, our health experts address with the things that you're saying. Uh, no, having good humidity in your house, especially during the winter months, is always a good thing for all the reasons that you've cited. And you know, things like trying to give your body proper rest, try to, to exercise if possible, which helps boost the immune system, having a good diet, um, and, and, and taking in extra vitamins, multivitamins as needed. And all those things are things that help us lead to optimal health and will decrease, hopefully decrease our chances from getting things like the flu. But I think I, I do want you to address the issue. I mean, I think what Tony said specifically was he felt like people at the grocery store this morning were trying to scare people into going to get a flu shot. Well, I don't know that scaring people into it necessarily the right thing, although, um, you know, it's been mentioned several times, healthy people still get the flu. So you can do all those right things and still get the flu. So the best thing, the best protection is to still get your flu shot. Now, with the uh, CDC uh, flu website, it seems that uh, uh, it's always usually a week or two behind, and there has been uh, some decrease. Uh, and you know, uh, I understand it's definitely larger than what it was last year, and uh, less than what it was a few years ago. Um, how long does the flu shot take to get into the system and build the immunity that's needed? It takes about two weeks for you to have the optimal kick for it to co- help give you the best coverage. So, about two weeks. And uh, based on the graphs that are on the uh, CDC site, it doesn't seem that there's much of a rebound after you usually have the first spike. Uh, are you guys anticipating uh, some type of a spike, maybe when the college kids, uh, after they, you know, they have the flu and they transmit it to others, or are you guys uh, looking to see the regular bar graph or the bell graph where it actually comes down and uh, is almost non-existent in a few weeks from now? Well, seeing, Tony, that the flu hit earlier this year and it peaked earlier, we're anticipating the unpredictable to happen. So just having those boots on the ground ready, getting information out to the public so they can make an informed choice, and just waiting to see what's going to happen um, with flu cases uh, in the United States is, is, the, is what we're doing in public health. Thank you all right, very all much right. Hey, Tony, thanks a lot for the call. We really appreciate it. 855-0811-877-285-9348. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We're going to go right back to Tim on the phone. Tim? Yes, how are you? Good. Uh, I'm not terribly uh, great today because over the last week I think I experienced the flu. And last Sunday I had terrible, terrible symptoms and feeling sorry for myself. I called my daughter, who's a doctor at Graduate of IU Medical School, and I said, Ruth, I can't have the flu. I had the flu shot. She said, Daddy, don't you know that only is effective in 60% of the cases? Mm-hmm. Is she right? And if so, why don't they tell us that more often? <laughs> for the flu shot. Well, she is correct, um, but that's still a 40% chance that you won't get the flu if you look at it that way, for one thing. More milder <laughs> symptoms. Right. A lot of times when you're vaccinated, um, your symptoms are a lot more mild than they would have been had you not been vaccinated. Yeah. Now, Tim, well, that's if, great to know. Thank you. Tim, if you were in the doctor's office with 10 people, six of them didn't have to suffer what you did. Well, I'm about to call, so I'm going to sign off. All right. (laughs) Thanks for calling, Tim. We appreciate it. Uh, Derek is next. Let's go to Derek. Yes. Hi. Two questions. One is this flu seems to be the first one without an ID. We've had uh, Mexican flu. We've had Asian flu, avian flu, swine flu. But isn't there an ID on this one? Or is it a politically correct flu? I'm just kind of wondering. Oh. What is there a number on this, or is there a trace for source, or what? Joni, Joni, Amy. Well, go ahead, Amy. Well, the flu vaccine has three um, strains of the um, protection in it, and the H1N1 is one of those. There's influenza B, 
And then um, these H3N2 is the third strain. And this year it seems to be very well matched, meaning all of the cases that they are testing seem to have one of those three strains. Do they have a name, though? I mean, are they from somewhere? Are they local? or No. No, these are all um, flus that we've seen in the past. It was uh, oh, the so swine flu. Was that H1N1? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, that so, was H1N1. Yeah, so it's yes. a third swine flu. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, and the other question is, um, I noticed in Indianapolis they're being extra vigilant in the grade schools because the, I guess kids under maybe, well, I don't know what age, but tend to be less vigilant and they're... Uh, doing kind of a training thing for them uh, with washing hands and sneezing in their arm and all that. And I just wondered, is is that a population that tends to spread it upward, like to their parents and their friends? And is that a good place to start with the hygiene? It is, Derek. In Vigo County, we we received an FDA grant to do a hand-washing program, and we go out to all the elementary schools and middle schools and implement it along with a black light tent and make it cool and fun. Because if we can get them to see the importance in washing their hands, you know, and uh, and the decrease in in, uh, germs, then perhaps it'll be a lifelong health habit and, uh, you know, also something they might go and teach their parents or, you know, reinforce to their siblings. So hand-washing is so important, and the things like you know sneezing in the crook or coughing in the crook of your arm are all good, good healthy, cho- uh, good healthy habits uh, to teach our children. So they are getting into the grade schools too, and and, and try and help uh, educate them. We are and have for about ten years. Great, terrific. Right. Here, here in Monroe you. County, the IU Health Bloomington Hospital, um, their community health department has a. Um, child safety program that they are in the schools doing the same thing with the black light and i know they great. make it kind of a fun experience That's how, great. how does that black well, tell me more about the black light experience the in our in our hand washing tent the children first they begin by washing their hands like they feel is the uh, most effective way to wash them and then they put glow germ on their hands which is a, uh, a substance that allows the germs to show up or the areas that weren't washed well then they go into the black light tent and then they see their hands and then from the outside you hear ooh from all of the kids as they, as they see all around their fingernails and all the spaces that they didn't hit very well. So it's a great teaching tool. Yeah, great. Thanks. Excellent. That's, thank all you. All right. Okay. Thank, thank, thanks a lot, Derek. Um, we have some. Can we go back to our live chat sure, yeah. here? Several people online talking about it. Uh, someone tweeted to at Noon Edition, can I get a flu shot if I currently have the sniffles and a slight sore throat or should I wait until I'm feeling better? We usually say if you're feeling well enough to be out and around, then you're feeling well enough to get the flu shot. Yes. And the rule of thumb we use is do you have a fever? And if so, what what is it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And then someone saying they choose not to get vaccinated because vaccines are based on projected flu strains for that year and they're not always effective. That is true. The vaccine, the flu vaccine is uh, produced in that manner. However, there's a lot of study that goes into projecting mm-hmm. what the flu strains are going to be for that season. And this is a perfect season for an example that it's very well matched. And I think it's, I mean, we've, we've gone over this two or three times already, but it's not uh, foolproof, but right. six out of 10 times, according to the data, if you if 10 people go in, six of them are going to be helped. They're going to probably not get the flu. The other four might get the flu. It might not help them, but they might not get the flu, right? So Hopefully right. they'll have lesser symptoms if they do. Right. Okay. Again, our phone number is 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can uh, send your – or you can go to uh, a live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition. How's the chat going? Anything else there? I've got uh, another question right if you don't. Okay. okay. Go for I want to ask about pneumonia. Is there a relationship between influenza and the flu shot and pneumonia? And also, I guess the secondary question, I know um, I get a pneumonia shot too, and I think that's good for like five years or something, mm-hmm. right? So that's a totally mm-hmm. different kind of thing. Um, there certainly is a, can be a relationship. Um, when someone has the influenza, it, that puts their body at a lower immune system, and they are more at risk of developing pneumonia. Um, so pneumonia vaccinations are recommended for everyone 65 years of age and older, or also those with some chronic medical conditions and smokers. They should be getting them at any age because mm-hmm. of that. Right. I'm not a smoker, and I'm not 65. <laughs> I'm amazed at how healthy you are, Pat. <laughs> well, I'm, I try. 
He's well vaccinated. Right. (laughs) And and I'm going to go back to always discuss it with your doctor, your family physician. They know your health. And so if you are curious whether you're um, a candidate for a pneumonia vaccine, talk it over with them and see what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And that's a five-year vaccination, right? For right now, yes, that's correct. Okay, good. Again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 if you're outside of the local calling area. And you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. I'm sure I'm oversimplifying this, but if the vaccine is such a good match, why are we seeing more flu deaths this year than in the past? And, and some of the people that we were talking about earlier in the program, I mean, had been, had been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Well, but as Sean Richards said, when you look at the underlying con- chronic conditions that they had, whether it was health disease or, you know, pul- I mean, excuse me, pulmonary disease, um, emph- emphysema, those things contributed to um, their mortality. And so those are things that we have to take into consideration. This flu was a little bit of an anomaly by starting so early and hitting so hard. Perhaps those were contributing factors along with our underlying health conditions. Mm-hmm. What causes a flu to hit earlier? Do we know? Flu is unpredictable. Okay. We always want to say there's a flu season, but flu can happen 365 days a year. So. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our friends at NPR this morning had a, a story, and I, I want to sort of allude to it because it was about flu in the workplace and what what people can do. Uh, I think Sean was talking about the herd and getting 70 percent of your herd um, vaccinated with mm-hmm. flu shot. But what other things can people do in a work group? I mean, you know, you always, you always know there's that person that comes to work. Mm-hmm. They probably shouldn't be there, but maybe they don't want to take a PTO day or they – for some reason, they just feel like they need to be there to finish that project. I mean, how can you protect yourself against that person? You know, trying your best. I always tell people, don't touch your face. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. we want to we wanted to clean your hands as much as possible. But, you know, when you touch surfaces or anything, they could have, you know, the germ on them. And then you rub your eye, you scratch your nose. You know, you're just creating areas that you can infect yourself. So, um, you know... Hand hygiene, I know we've said that several times, but that everything just always goes back to that, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old grandson, and I think Givens thinks I get on him about his hands being around his mouth and his mm-hmm. eyes, and he goes to a daycare. But all those things are you know, safety precautions so that he doesn't get ill. And fortunately, he goes to a daycare where they wipe the doorknobs and the toys and the surfaces down to try to keep it a healthier place and discourage parents and guardians from bringing their kids in when they are ill. Mm-hmm. We just had a person leave the HT this morning. She was ill, and uh, we went back to our desk and kind of wiped it down with disinfectant. <laughs> Torched it. <laughs> right, pretty much. I've had several students write to me and say, I don't know that I'm going to be in today because I'm not feeling well. And I say, you just stay home. Yeah. That's that's fine. I worry about places like the gym because it seems like it would be worse there. Or is that just – is that is that true? I train at Union Hospital's uh, exercise facility in Terre Haute, and they have plenty of signage up encouraging people to wipe the machines down and not to come in if you're ill. And they make sure that there are plenty of disinfectant bottles and towels and things to keep the surfaces clean. And, and if a person doesn't, they have helpers that go around and, and make sure that it's cleaned on a schedule to try to keep it as optimally clean as possible from germs, especially right now with the flu outbreak. Mm-hmm. I think this is also an issue for hospitals. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I actually went to a hospital yesterday to visit somebody, and there's a big sign on the front door that said, if you are suffering from any flu symptoms, please come visit some other time. Yes. And I, yeah. But I still felt like I needed to go in. Mm-hmm. And that's the yeah. typical message being um, put out by most hospital facilities, medical facilities in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'll go ahead. Well, I was going to say one population we haven't really talked about um, is that we say that six months of age and older all need vaccinated. But we've talked about herd, communi- herd immunity and cocooning is another term we use for those infants that aren't six months of age yet that can't be vaccinated. So you could. You can think of your herd at your workplace, but in your house and those people caring for your infants, um, it's really important for them to stay healthy, for everyone around them to be vaccinated and healthy mm-hmm. um, because they're not old enough to receive the vaccine yet. Right. 
Okay. Well, if you have questions about this topic, we have about uh, seven or eight more minutes to go. 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can go to our live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, uh, again, I, I want to go back to, to the workplace. And what, what should a responsible um, manager at a workplace, should, are, are there policies that, that people at workplaces should have, do you think, to help keep this at bay? Most businesses have a handbook with policies regarding sick days in place, and that's something that employers need to look at and look at situations that develop that are outside the norm. I believe that our county handbook said that after the third day, you have to go to the, uh, you know, get a note from a physician, and there's something about Family Medical Leave Act. Well, not everyone's going to do that. With the flu, they're going to write it out and self-medicate with over-the-counter medications. And that's something the Chamber of Commerce perhaps needs to look at in individual businesses to develop messaging and policies for when situations develop outside of the norm, I know after 9-11 that a lot of money was pushed towards hospitals to develop preparedness plans and businesses to look at things like pandemic flu and how they would handle it if it came about. Well, obviously, this isn't a pandemic, but we've seen a, a major flu outbreak where normal policies aren't always applicable for the situations that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult for a lot of per- people after the third day to go to a doctor, especially if you see yourself getting better. So I think that individual employers need to look at those policies and be realistic versus idealistic. Mm -hmm. I I also want to go back to the the hand washing. I love that uh, black light tint (laughs) idea. But because I think a lot of people will – I I know I think it was a few years ago we talked about a flu pandemic or there was some discussion. And and the whole idea of how you really should wash your hands is something that a lot of people don't really – understand. It was, I think I remember you should say the alphabet or yes. something like that. Is that? Most people will go in the bathroom, turn the water on, you know, if, if, if we're all lucky, yeah. and run their hands <laughs> under and, you know, dry them off or blow them off, but, um, you know, under the hand dryers. But it is uh, the length of time that you need to wash them thoroughly. Say the ABCs. Make sure you get your thumbs because often we do the palms of our hands. We wash our fingers, but we don't think about going over the outsides of our, you know, thumbs and up a little bit into our wrists. But take your time and do it right. And you may save yourself seven to 10 days or up to 18 days with this particular flu that some the, the cough can linger on, but save yourself a heck of a lot of misery. Mm-hmm. If you do get the flu, is there anything you can do to really minimize the symptoms to make it so you're just not so miserable? Lots of rest, lots of fluids, um, and just treating your symptoms. So, you know, medications, if you have fever, aches and pains, things like that. But rest and fluids, I think, is uh, a big, big part of feeling better. Get a big glass of water, turn on WFIU, get yes. the, get the yeah. Herald Times, read the your paper. paper. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what you should do. <laughs> the one and only time I had the flu, I, I refer to the, the it as the plague. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the, just the miserable chills and the aches of my body. And um, I had a terrible cough, cough. And if it wasn't for cough medicine with codeine, I don't, I don't know what I would have mm-hmm. you know, done because I went days without sleeping because the cough kept me up. Wow. Well, I also want to ask about um, about whooping cough because yes. there's been mm-hmm. that's been I actually mm-hmm. know somebody in Bloomington who <laughs> yes. had whooping cough and uh, it was miserable for her. Mm-hmm. She I think she you know pulled a muscle in her rib cage coughing so much. Is that have you seen much evidence of that? Certainly, and that's uh, nationwide. Actually, whooping cough is also called um, pertussis, and it is now recommended that. All adults receive a Tdap, which is a tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis vaccination, uh, as a one-time kind of booster to the whooping cough vaccine they may have received as a child, um, because we're seeing yes elevated numbers of that. Like I said, nationwide. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have a couple phone calls. We're going to try to slide in before the uh, the end of the show. So Kyle is first. Kyle. Hi. Um, I just have a question. Um, I was. Um, I'm getting a lot of pressure to get this flu shot, but I've been really hesitant to get it just because when I, I mean, when I was younger, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever, getting the flu was just getting the flu and everyone got it. And now it seems like there's so much hype about it now as opposed to before. Is it just because we know more about it or is there like, or is it just because I know more about it and I'm older and understand or is there other reasons behind it? I think it's thing number two, that you're older and wiser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, um, Kyle, 
vaccines are one of those amazing public health tools that helped increase life expectancy you know, between 1900 and 2000. And, you know, whether it's decreasing infant mortality or allowing you to walk this earth an extra 20 or 25 years, um, you know, versus in 1900. But um, vaccines are safe. And, you know, we've, the more we more we have learned about them, the more better we can make them. And, right. and they're, they are safe and they have a good safety track record. And that's why you know, we encourage people. I believe Sean, Record, Sean Richards was talking about the, you know, the efficacy of a vaccine. No, it's not 100 percent, as I just came out of the CDC's largest chickenpox outbreak ever in Vigo <laughs> County. Um, and most of those children were optimally immunized, but it's still the best prevention against, uh, against viruses. Okay, well, I guess I'll consider it then. Go get it. Okay, Kyle. Don't you think it's also possible that what Kyle is remembering as the flu and everybody got it might have just been a bad cold? Yes. Okay. All right, we have another caller, and it's uh, Christina. Christina? Hi. um, I'm enjoying listening to the program. I'm hoping it'll help me convince my son to get his shot. Is his name Um, Kyle? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, but that did occur to me. what I want to, I've heard you say that it takes two weeks for the effectiveness of it to kick in. I haven't heard anybody say how long it lasts. Is this a full year? Or, um, you know, how, how long is the shot effective? Do you have to have one every year? You do have to have one every year. Um, everyone's body is different, so it's hard to say uh, the efficacy of each person and how long um, it's good for them. We usually say it's good at least six months and then up to a year. Um, I- but it's important that you receive one every year because your immunity will wane from that. Thank you very much. Thank All you. right, Christina, thanks a lot. We have about a minute to go. So last-minute tips from each of you about what people should do to try to stay as healthy as possible this winter. Well, of course, um, receive your flu vaccine. Um, you know, if you haven't, there's still a lot of providers here in town that, that have that vaccine at the Monroe County Public Health Clinic on Miller Drive. Uh, we still have plenty of vaccine available um, so, so get vaccinated and wash your hands. And I'm going to echo what Amy is saying. You have to wash your hands and get a flu vaccine. And at the Vigo County Health Department, we still have plenty of it available, and uh, you know, five days a week. So, those are the things that we strongly suggest. And take care of yourself because there's only one of you for all of this time. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to thank uh, our guests in the studio, Amy Meek from the Monroe County Public Health Clinic and uh, Vigo County Health Department Administrator Joni Wise. Uh, For Sarah, Sarah, thanks for being here. Thanks. It's a lot of fun, Bob. All right. For Sarah Whitmire, um, producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.